So there is a missing word in much of Christianity today. It's not power. It's not love, trust me. All right, but this missing word is one that we don't like to talk about a whole lot. And it's repentance. You see, people want Jesus, but they want him without repenting of their sin. They want Jesus, they want the blessings, they want all the good things that he brings to our lives. They want that list on paper, but they don't want real change. Repentance means just that. Whenever you hear the word repentance in church, when you read about it in your Bible, to repent just means to change direction. It's a military term, and it means turn around, go the other way. So you're marching one way, they say repent, so you stop and you turn around and you begin marching in the other direction. Completely opposite. That's repentance. It means that you're walking one way and at some point you stop and you say, I don't wanna walk this way anymore. I wanna turn around and I wanna follow Jesus. Repentance is godly sorrow of anything that displeases God. Because when we look at a list like we have just written and we see what God has done for us, we see that he loves us and that he died for us. We see all of the blessings that he has poured out on us. I don't know about you, but I want to please him. I want to serve him. I want my life to be a living sacrifice. I want to walk with him because he's done so much for me and he loves me. So that's where we start our discussion of holiness. Repentance is a part of being born again. We read in Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That promise is for every person in this room tonight. It's for you. It's for me. It's for your children. It's for our grandchildren. It's as long as the Lord should tarry. It's for us. And so repentance is a part of that. It is a part of being born again. And although that experience is part of our initial salvation, it's actually just the beginning I want you to think about a baby. Many of us in this room are mothers, grandmothers, and so we've been around a baby a time or two, right? We know a little bit about babies. When a baby is born, have you ever just seen a baby born and then it just stops? The rest of its life, it's just a baby. Just stops right there. A newborn baby begins a lifelong journey of growth and change that will never stop from the cradle to the grave. We never stop growing. We never stop changing. I mean, you might have not be growing anymore, but come on, we're changing, are we not? Our bodies are constantly changing. We're not that same little baby that we were on our birthday. And so it is with being born again. How can you be born again of water and the spirit, yet always remain the same person? Well, 
You can't. You shouldn't. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming, become new. So when we are born again of water and spirit, that is our birthday. We are babies. We are ready for some growth. And the Lord never intends, us, intends for us to stay right there. I have good news for you, honey. It's not going to always be this way. The baby's coming. It's just, it's just the way life goes. The baby is coming. We're not always going to be pregnant, even though it feels like it right now. And then when that baby comes, it's not always going to be a little tiny baby. See me next year, and this conversation is going to be completely different. Because that baby is going to grow and change over time. And see me in five years and our conversation will be completely different. That's the way of life. And so it is with our spiritual life. Repentance is part of that being born again process. But then there should be old things passing away. New things being born in us. And that journey is a growing up process, a changing process that will never end in this life. So every one of us have growing up to do. So you get to do something fun right now. Look at the sister beside you, look at that friend, and say, you need to grow up. (laughs) We do. Every one of us has growing to do until we reach heaven. Every one of us. We never stop growing. And I wish Sister Brooks were here tonight, but she's not because she would be my biggest amen. And she would tell you at 95 years old, I'm still growing. She'll tell you that when she told me not long ago, when she picks up the word of God, she sees something new. She sees it in a way she never saw it before because she's growing. At 95 years old, yes, you've still got growing up to do. Why? Because we have not reached our heavenly home. We're still here. And as long as we're here, it's God's intention that we should be growing. The big fancy Bible word for this is called sanctification. Anybody ever heard that word? Yes, a few of us. It's a funny word. I know sometimes we hear some of these Bible words in church language and we get a little confused. What does that mean? Well, let me help you understand what that means. Sanctification is that process of growing more and more like Jesus, and that process never ends until we reach heaven. Salvation was the work of Jesus on the cross. That is finished. He did it. He won the victory. He saved us. He was the sacrifice once and for all. He paid the price for our sins. I was guilty. He was not. But he paid that price, the debt that I owed. He paid it. That was salvation. But sanctification is the next step in our process. When we receive the salvation of the Lord, sanctification is the work of his spirit within us. Because when you are filled with his spirit, this process should begin. 
The Spirit is what sanctifies us or separates us. And we can read about this process in Romans. Let's turn to Romans 15, 16. If you have your Bibles. We do have a man in the house tonight, so he is up there maybe getting the verse for us. Romans 15, 16. Paul's writing, and he says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified, there's that word, I told you it was a Bible word, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is what does the sanctifying. When we get that Holy Ghost within us, can anybody testify? It starts working in you, and you start thinking things a little differently, and you start looking at life a little bit differently, and you start changing on the inside and on the outside, and the way you act, and the way you talk, and the way you live. He starts doing a work in you, and that process is called sanctification. And in Romans 8.13, let's go back a few chapters. It says, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. There again, it's telling us that it's through the Spirit that we're able to mortify our flesh and to walk according to his Spirit, to walk according to holiness. So after the infilling of the Spirit, he begins producing things in our life. He begins producing holiness and purity. He transforms our, our thinking. He transforms our minds, the renewing of our minds. He changes our desires and our appetites. Can anybody testify to that? You, you might have had some desires and then it was like, you know, one day the spirit began to work in you and those desires just didn't seem like what they once were to you. We are slowly over time being transformed into the image of Christ. That's what sanctification is. You are not perfect. Hate to burst your bubble. I am not perfect. None of us in this life will achieve perfection. But slowly, over time, little by little, we are being transformed to be more like Jesus. And that is sanctification. I do have good news for you. The process is complete when we reach our heavenly reward. Salvation begins with the new birth. It continues with sanctification, which is the process of becoming more like Christ. And it concludes with glorification, which is when these bodies will be resurrected. We will take an, on an immortal body and we will be sinless and we will live in perfection forever and ever and ever. I don't know about you. I cannot wait until that day. That's something to look forward to. All right. So if here we are, we're not there yet, right? If you're sitting here with me tonight and you're listening on our podcast, then I would presume that you're not in heaven, all right? You have not gone on to be with the Lord. 
And so if you hear this, then you know that you are finding yourself in one of two spots tonight. Either you're needing salvation, which the Lord has already done and extended it to you. You just have to receive it. Or you've already been saved and you're in that process of being sanctified. So we're going to find ourselves in one of two places tonight. In both places, it's a good place to be. So if we're in that process of sanctification, I've already said it once, but I'm going to say it again. We're not going to stop, ladies. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep developing our walk with the Lord. We're going to keep growing in him. It's never going to stop. I want to be like Sister Brooks, and when I'm 95 years old, I still want to be being transformed by the word, being transformed in prayer. I want him to tell me when I'm wrong. I want him to to check me in my spirit when something's not right. I want him to sanctify me wholly. All right, so why would we... Sorry, new glasses. Why would we want this life change and this process? Why would we want this? Well, there's a lot of reasons that we would want this, but I'm going to take us back to the way we started tonight, and I want you to get out that piece of paper, and I want you to look at your list of how good God has been to you. God is good even when I am not. And remember, I didn't get what I deserved. I deserved hell. I deserved punishment because I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. He saved me. And the huge debt that he paid, I could never repay him. And when we stop and we recognize God's goodness and his mercy to us. And when we take that and we pair that with recognizing the ferocity of his eternal wrath, which I deserve, it results in a change. Two things, the goodness of God and the fear of God reverence, honor, knowing that I know what I deserve and he could very well give that to me, but for his mercy, but for his grace, why would I not desire to be more like him? Why would I not desire to be in that process of not only being saved, but being sanctified and changed to be set apart and to be made ready for heaven. You know, the Bible says he's coming back for a church that is without spot and wrinkle, meaning he's trying to get his church ready. He's preparing his bride, right? He's he's coming back for his bride, and he's in that process of getting that church ready, and I want to be in that number. Amen? So whenever we need that little reminder, we're going to refer back to this list several times tonight. God is good, and I am not. He has saved me. I'm undeserving. So I want to be more like him. 
Nobody is making me. The Bible is not a list of rules and regulations. Nobody is making me live for God. I want to live for God. I want to please him. I desire to please him. The problem with sanctification is that it's not automatic. And it involves your cooperation. Whenever the Bible is teaching us in the New Testament, when you read any of these writings, there's a lot of terminology that's used that says things like walk by the Spirit, live after the Spirit, resist the devil, submit yourselves, present your bodies, right? I don't know about you, but I'm homeschooling my kids, and right now, my third grader, we're learning a lot about action verbs. It sounds like all of those are action verbs. We're walking, we're living, we're resisting, we're submitting, we're presenting. These are actions that we have to take. This is not just something that we sit down and it just happens to us. One day, we're just sanctified and ready for heaven. This is a process. This include, it involves our cooperation. This is part of a growing process, and as I've said, I want to get this in our spirits tonight. It doesn't stop until we make heaven. I don't care how long you've been apart. I don't care who your grandmama is. I don't care how connected you are to the Lord and you think you can pray 18 and a half hours a day. It doesn't matter. We're still all in that process trying to make heaven, trying to be sanctified by the Lord. And so there are actions we have to take in this process. If we just say, okay, well, I repented, I was baptized, and I received the Holy Ghost, so now I'll just sit here and just wait until he calls my name up yonder. No, there are things that we must do to grow. If not, we're like that baby that's born that never grows. That's not the will of the Lord for anybody in the natural or in the spiritual it's God's will that we should be growing. So within the Christian community, there is one topic that most Christians have very strong opinions about. And we're going to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Holiness and righteous living. People don't want to talk about it anymore. Don't talk about how I live. Don't talk about what I do in my free time. It's my free time. Don't talk about what God expects from me. I have heard people who rarely speak up on any biblical subject who have a very vocal opinion about this topic. We hear, judge not, don't judge my sin. Don't challenge me. Don't correct me. 
No pastor or no minister better ever tell me what to do and how to live. Much of this is cultural. Some is rooted in human nature. But either way, it is a terrible attitude and it will stunt our growth. We will remain a baby if we don't learn to grow and be discipled. This thinking is so far from the biblical truth, and I can show you. Following Jesus, there's that action verb, following. We have to make a choice. I'm not only going to be saved and be a pew ornament, but I'm going to follow him, right? I'm going to follow after him. It's a choice, and that's part of this process. But following Jesus will always cost you something, every one of us. There will be things we have to give up. There will be things we have to change. Why? Because we're being sanctified. We're growing. We're growing in holiness. We're growing to be more like him. We're being set apart. We're being, you know, called for his purpose. And there's things that he might say, you know, it's got to go. Think of the rich young ruler. The Lord called his name. He counted the cost. And he decided it was too much. You have that decision. You have that choice. Following him is a choice. And yes, I'll answer the question, the elephant in the room. Can you be saved and come to church every Sunday and not be following Jesus? Yes. We can. Because we have to take action. We have to develop our walk with him. We have to learn to walk. We have to learn to follow. We have to learn to take up our cross. We have to learn to submit and surrender in all of those words that we were talking about earlier. And sometimes in life, we just decide it costs too much, Lord. I just don't want to follow. But it's a choice that we're given and we're not giving it just once and then it never pops up again. I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes I'm given that choice almost daily. What are you going to do? Are you going to follow me? How are you going to handle it? Are you going to follow after me or are you going to do it your way? So we need to check ourselves before over the next few weeks this fall, we're going to be going into a deep study of biblical holiness for women. But before we do, we need to check ourselves because my mama used to tell me, you need an attitude adjustment. Anybody's mama's ever tell them that? Well, it's because you're the baby. <laughs> Trust me, we got it, didn't we, Christina? My mama used to tell me you need an attitude adjustment. You know, I, believe it or not, I know nobody will believe this. I was this bratty little kid that was very bossy and insisted on my own way all the time. And I'm very thankful for a mama who gave me many attitude adjustments because I needed them. So before we move ahead any further in this study, let's do just that tonight. Let's check and adjust our attitude to prepare our heart for a study on holiness and righteousness and sanctification. We're going to be studying these topics in the coming weeks, but if our attitude towards it is not right, then we're not ready. So what is an attitude? 
An attitude, it's not always a bad thing, by the way. You can have a good attitude, positive attitude. But an attitude, according to the dictionary, is a mental position or feeling with regard to a fact or a situation. So it's just where your mind and your feelings, your heart, you know, stands in regard to a certain fact or a certain situation. And that's where we go wrong a lot, you know. Our spirit might want to follow the Lord, but then this thing gets involved and our mind is too busy. And then, you know, our heart and our feelings, everyone's caught up in their feelings, you know. We cannot be led by our feelings. The biggest lie in this world today is follow your heart because the heart is deceptive, right? Deceitful. And so we do not follow our heart. We do not follow our emotions. We don't trust them. We're ladies. We can't trust our emotions. They change every 15 minutes. We cannot trust our emotions, but we need to check our attitudes about this topic because our attitudes matter, right? So I believe that having a strong opinion is a great thing. I do. I'm not telling anybody not to have a strong opinion about something. If you know me, I have a pretty strong personality, and I can have pretty strong opinions about things. But I think it's a good thing as long as you have the right biblical basis and biblical understanding to back up that opinion. If it's just your opinion, it can be strong all day long. But if it doesn't line up with God's word, then it's, you know what it is? It's a really bad, strong opinion, right? So I'm not against having strong opinions, um, but I just want us to make sure that our strong opinions are in alignment with God's word. And the reason why is because we get ourselves in a lot of trouble when we try to walk according to our own understanding and not according to God's word. I figured it out a long time ago. I don't know everything. There was a time I probably thought I did. I don't know everything. I don't have all of the infinite wisdom of the Lord. And sometimes if I'm trying to walk according to my own understanding and my feelings, which we already established are usually no good, then I get myself in a lot of trouble. So our opinions, this is not popular. This is not popular. You're not going to hear this at the university. You're not going to hear this teaching, you know, at the therapist's office. This is not popular, but it's the word of God. Our opinions do not matter unless they are in alignment with God's infallible word. Why? Because that word infallible means perfect, without error. He can't make a mistake. He can't be wrong. So that's what matters, his word. We make errors. We make mistakes. We, last year, remember when we did our split sessions, I talked to us about stinking thinking. We think stinking thoughts, right? We have these icky feelings that we have to deal with. That's not God. God is perfect in all of his ways, and his word is perfect and true. 
So I can have opinions, but if it is not in alignment with his word, then it's wrong. We should pray for understanding. You can pray for understanding that when you read his word, he will give you understanding. He will help you. He will illuminate the word. He'll shine a light on it, and it'll just, you'll understand. We should ask God to make us sensitive to his voice because only when we're listening for his voice can we drown out the noise of our own opinions. When you open this Bible, you come to this book with your own preconceived ideas. You come to it with your own opinions, your own thoughts, and it's hard, but we have to sometimes just ask God, help me set that stuff aside and help me approach your word so I can hear what you're trying to teach me, what you're trying to say to me. All right, so back to attitudes. Attitudes... As I mentioned, it's, a, it's an issue because do you know where your attitude comes from? I don't believe that. <laughs> your attitude comes from your heart. It comes, <laughs> it comes from here. It's, it's not... A spiritual thing you know your attitude comes from your heart your feelings you know whatever it is that's caused you to form that opinion and that attitude about something it comes from your th- own thinking right now the thing about attitudes is they it's a condition of the heart right it comes from in here but it always shows up on the outside I tell people all the time, I tell my kids, I tell my niece, fix your face because everybody knows what you're thinking right now, right? Have you ever had to discipline your child? Have you ever had a disagreement with your spouse? Have you ever had to spend an afternoon with a critical negative person, a complainer? Have you ever heard someone let out a great big sigh and you knew that they were not pleased about something? If you answered yes to any of these, then you, my friend, have experienced the way that an attitude finds its way out. It always makes itself known on the outside. That's right. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That is strong language when you realize that your attitude controls your actions. Why do we do the things we do? It's coming from the heart. Don't confuse being flawed with having a bad attitude, okay? Just because we have weaknesses and personal issues does not mean that we can't have the right attitude. Let me give you some examples. Let's look at the Bible. Adam was a man who couldn't live in a perfect place with only one commandment. Moses was a murderer and a man who didn't have the confidence to speak for God. Abraham was a guy who didn't want to be patient for the promise of God to come to pass. 
Jacob was a deceiver and a master manipulator. Rahab was a harlot by profession. Eli was a preacher who couldn't control his own home. King David was an adulterer and a conspirator to murder. That's a juicy story if you've never read it. King Solomon was a man who was influenced by the woman he allowed into the women he allowed into his life. God can use some messed up people. The pages of the scripture show us over and over again. He is not so much concerned with our weaknesses, with our issues, with our flaws. He can still use people because these are men and women who were flawed, yes, but they were able to be incredibly used of God because, in here, it was an attitude. God can work with us when our attitudes are right inside. God can do something with us when we are teachable, when we're moldable, when we say, okay, maybe I don't always have the answers. Maybe I'm not always right. Show me, Lord. God can use us. Now, let's look at some examples of men who were rejected by God in Scripture. Cain was a man who thought he knew a better way than God. Esau, a man who didn't treasure the things of God. Achan was a greedy man. King Saul was an impatient, prideful man. King Rehoboam was a foolish man who followed bad counsel. Judas was an arrogant, deceitful man who tried to force the plan of God. The rich young ruler we already talked about came to Jesus. He was a church-going, scripture-believing man who decided the cost was too high and he put other things first and above God. So when you look at the lives of these men that were rejected by God, The difference between this list and the first one comes down to one thing, their attitude, their spirit. One list of men was flawed but had a teachable spirit, was willing to be molded, was willing to be transformed and changed. The other list was flawed and they were unwilling to learn They could not be corrected, and they were not willing to change. The life of Cain and Abel is the clearest example of the difference an attitude can make. I'm not going to spend much time on this story, but if you would like to read it this week, read in Genesis 3 and 4. They were brothers raised in the same home. They heard the same stories from their parents. Imagine that. Their parents were Adam and Eve. So they were told about this garden and how, you know, there was this disobedience and this sin and they were cast out from the garden. I'm sure the parents had passed along this story. I mean, I would hope, you know. Their parents must have given them instruction about how the blood and covering of animals should be sacrificed because God instructed Adam and Eve in that. And then in Genesis 4, we see that each of these boys set up an altar and bring an offering, a sacrifice to God. Who taught them that? Probably their parents. Raised in the same home, had the same teachings. Abel followed the instruction manual and offered the right sacrifice to God, 
But Cain, he could do it better. He followed the sin of his father and mother, and he thought he could just go ahead and do it his own way. He had an attitude. He had an opinion, and he said, my way is just fine. Now, remember earlier, we said the attitudes make their way out, right? Well, his attitude was showing he needed to fix his face because God comes to him in Genesis 4 and spoke to him and asked, why has your countenance fallen? That's a sign of an attitude. He had the posture of a bad attitude. Cain did not have a teachable attitude, and so the story goes on, God would not use him, and his life becomes cursed, and a very sad ending to an incredibly sad story. These two young men, brothers, had almost everything in common. Same home, same parents, same teaching, same upbringing, same work ethic. But none of those things determined their usefulness to God. It was one thing. One had a submitted, teachable spirit. And the other was rebellious and unwilling to learn or change. I once heard someone say, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you fix it, you are going nowhere. And that is why we're starting with this teaching tonight. Because we've got to make sure our attitude towards the Lord is right. Our attitude towards his word. Our attitude towards his teachings, his righteousness. We want to make sure that our attitude towards holiness is right. Because it's not going to get us anywhere if we come to it with a bad attitude. All right. God will judge our attitude. As we just saw in this list of people in scripture, God is the judge of of that. He judges. And he looks at our attitude because he knows our hearts. Right? The Lord looks at the heart and he knows our hearts. And he can decide if, if we're good or bad, if we're useful, if we're unusable. Oh, God, don't let that be said of us, that he can't use us, that we're not useful to him because we're stubborn and we have a bad attitude. We're not teachable. We're not moldable. We don't want to grow. We don't want to be discipled. Don't let that be said of us. So in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents is another example of differing attitudes and opinions. And this time, we see God's judgment concerning attitude. They each received something from the master, but when he returned, only two of them were deemed useful. In this parable, you can read it this week in Matthew 25, he shows that he rewards the good and faithful servants, but he condemns the slothful servant and calls him unusable. Why? Because our attitude determines everything. Our attitude will determine God's judgment. So it should be our prayer. God, help me learn. Help me obey. Let me be 95 years old and still learning. Let me be 
Today, tomorrow, next week, let me be growing and never stop. If there's something wrong in here, Lord, I want to know. Create in me a clean heart. Help me with my, with my spirit, with my attitude. That should be our prayer. That should be how we approach his word, not with our strong opinions, not with our ideas of how it's done best, because we can see that that doesn't go well for most people. But we should approach the scripture asking God, Lord, show me, teach me, show me a better way. If I'm not doing something right, God, just show me, reveal it to me. So in all of the biblical examples that we've looked at tonight, there was severe punishment and judgment for a poor attitude and a teachable spirit. The unique thing, though, that I want us to see in all of these stories, and time is away from us, I don't have time to break down every single story that we have mentioned tonight. But if we did, you would see that every one of them were given an opportunity to change their mind, to change their thinking. Every one of them were given an opportunity to grow and to follow the Lord. They were given an opportunity to follow his way and not their way because there's a way that seems right to a man, right? But it's destruction at the end of it. They were all given that opportunity to change and to grow but it was their unteachable spirit and their bad attitude that stopped them. If we want to stunt our growth, there's how we do it. If we don't want to grow anymore in God, there's how we do it. We refuse to be teachable and molded by his spirit and by his word. We are all tonight given this same opportunity to grow. We're all extended salvation, every one of us. So whether you find yourself tonight needing salvation or you find yourself tonight in that process of sanctification, we are all given the opportunity. God says, here it is. I'm laying it before you. We all, I think everybody has God's word in our possession. And if you don't see me afterwards tonight, and I will give you a Bible, we all have God's word in our possession. We all have the teachings of a pastor, trusted church leaders. We all have the ability to study this word, hide it in our heart that I might not sin against thee. But the, the choice is ours. We all have the same opportunity, but will we be teachable or will will we refuse to be teachable and grow in God? We are going to be discovering the riches of holiness and righteousness in the coming weeks. 
We're going to be studying biblical truths that will help us grow closer to God, that will help us become more like him, that will help us on this journey that we're all on. That's why I chose the graphic I chose. We're all on this journey down this pathway of life towards personal holiness, towards being sanctified, and we're all trying to get to heaven. We're all doing it together. And whether you're at mile marker zero or mile marker 5,000, we're all on the same path. And so over these next weeks, I ask you, I implore you, please come with the right attitude. Come with a teachable spirit saying, God, I want to grow. I want you to teach me. I want you to sanctify me. I want to grow deeper in biblical truth. I want to draw closer to you. I want to walk with you. I want to follow you. We all need that attitude, attitude adjustment from time to time. Everybody in this room. You know, the word of God will poke at us and prod at us and make us all kinds of uncomfortable. And sometimes we need to just adjust our attitude and our thinking and say, oh, I did not like what I just read, but God, change me, help me. I didn't like what that preacher just preached at me. He stepped all over my toes, but God, I need it. I ask you over the next few weeks to do an attitude adjustment and make sure that when we approach God's word, we don't approach it with strong opinions of our own. We don't approach it with the wrong attitude, but we listen for his commands, listen for his call to holiness, listen for his call to righteousness, listen for him to tug at your heart and lead you to salvation Listen for him to, to pull on you and, and, you know, work on you in the night. Anybody ever had that happen? The Lord deals with you when you lay your head down at night and you just want to go to sleep. And he's just starting. He's doing his work. He's like, oh, now I've got you. You're laid down. You're quiet. You've, you've set all, all the things aside. And now I can, I can talk to you. Listen for his voice over the next few weeks. I don't want you to even just come to listen to my voice. Why? Because pull out your list. I did not do any of those things for you. Pastor did not do any of those things for us. God did that for you. He is so good and he loves you, and he wants you to follow him. He wants you to draw closer to him than you've ever been before. He wants to get rid of some things in us that just don't belong. Every one of us, me too. And I just pray tonight, God, I need a fresh perspective I need an attitude adjustment. I need to be ready to be changed and renewed. I need to be ready to let his spirit do a work in me. I need to be ready to let his word teach me and mold me. And whenever you feel that you need a fresh perspective, I ask you to open this little notebook 
and turn to that list. And remember what the Lord has done, how good he is. And if that list doesn't put within us a desire to submit to his word and to trust and obey him, whatever the cost, no matter my opinion, no matter my feelings, he's good. Amen. Let's all stand. And we're going to take baby steps on this journey. And tonight was a baby step to just check our spirits, check our attitudes. Lord, you know, maybe sometimes I do get an attitude when somebody preaches at me or judges me. Maybe I don't always like what I read in the word of God. So our prayer is going to be, God, help me. Help me to submit to your word, to your teaching. Help me, God, in this process of sanctification. Can we lift our hands? Lord, we need you, Jesus. God, this journey is not always easy, God. And sometimes, Lord, we have our own mindset. We have our own thoughts. We have our own ways, God. And it doesn't line up with your word. Sometimes we think that we're right when we're so wrong. Sometimes, God, we think that we're going the right way and we need a change of direction. We need a course change, God. We need you, Lord, to grab hold of us to shake us, God, to, to teach us and to mold us into who you want us to be, God, because we desire to be more like you. We desire to be sanctified. We desire to be holy as you are holy, God. We desire it because we know that you are so good, that you love us with an everlasting love, that you are holy and perfect in all of your ways, God, and we want to walk after you. We want to follow you, Jesus. We want to count the cost, Lord, and take up our cross and follow you and serve you with our whole hearts, Jesus. But we need your help, Lord. I pray this week that every woman under the sound of my voice would learn to submit, would learn to follow after your word. God, I pray that you would help us to surrender our ideas, our opinions, our thoughts, our attitudes, Lord. Help us, Jesus, to lay them before you, God, and surrender them to you, Jesus. Help us, God, to follow after you. Lord, we are the clay, Jesus, and you are the potter, God. Make us who you want us to be, Jesus. Make us, God, who you want us to be. Thank you for your presence that we feel in this room, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit, God. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation, Lord. I was so undeserving, Hallelujah. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Jesus. Amen. He is so good.
Every one of us can testify to the goodness of God. So this week, I ask you to take your list, take it with you, keep it in a place that you can refer to it, that you can look at it from time to time, maybe in your daily Bible reading, maybe keep it beside your bed and just look at it each night or first thing in the morning, whatever works for you as just a reminder, God is good to me and I want to please him and I sometimes need to check my attitudes and check my spirit. Every one of us, preaching to myself. Amen. I love you all. We're going to do this every Wednesday night at 730. And so I hope that you'll be here and be a part. And I know there's a few that were sick tonight, a few that are missing. If you think of somebody that is not here, I want you to think of that person right now. If you're, I know we have a guest, so you might not think of a regular, but if you know somebody that might want to come next week, you invite her. For the, the rest of us, think of somebody that maybe is here on a Sunday that's not here tonight. And reach out to them and say, you want to hear this. You want to come be a part of this ladies' night. Wednesday night, 730, we'll be doing this um, this fall and into the winter. And those kids will be downstairs, so you get a breather, you mothers. And the young people are down here doing their thing. And the men are back here, and I don't know what in the world they're doing down there, but I'm sure they're having a good time too. So I love you all. Let's love on each other. Greet somebody, maybe introduce yourself to somebody you don't know, and let's just love on each other before we go home tonight. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed.